0: type guy looked in and nodded and then somebody else nodded and they went on. Well, the second guy was a nightline guy in you know, secret they had a hidden camera here after Robert Tilton. So, so
1: the nightline was in the building, building when you were there, there working?
0: Oh yeah, they looked in my office. <laughs> they probably edited my face out because it was boring. But then um, at that point was when they broke the news and I, I can't say his name because he's still going now. Yeah. But, you know, he was uh sending out direct mail with picture of a comb, you know, and put this comb on your pillow, pray it send me a hundred dollars, God will send you a thousand dollars. That kind of oh that gosh. kind of fundraising. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um and so they did an expose on him and tried to show him this crooked deal. Basically he he was getting desperate because he was way ahead of his time trying to develop a satellite he was he really was a pure art guy in the beginning. But anyway. Um, the net result was that they tried to take him down. He was kind of in hiding. And He's Jim in hiding the guy, yeah, at that point. Because of the networks were hounding him and the feds were starting to investigate him and his uh, ministry went into bankruptcy. <laughs> and Jim, that was his biggest client. And he had arranged to purchase a limo for him <laughs> but with all the heat and the media then my boss said I need you to drive the limo to Dallas
1: oh my gosh
0: <laughs> you need to leave be prepared to leave in a couple hours I'll be going with you but I'll be because the be bomb right is going to
1: be on your tail <laughs> yeah
0: so, so nobody knew so literally and this is in the early days of cell phones so I had a bag <laughs> the phone in, and that was how I was going to let them know. So, I'd go to the go back drag. secret yeah. entrance of an script building downtown Dallas. Yeah, so I was driving around. So you're
1: smuggling this like a. Uh, it was
0: a stretch limo. I mean, stretch Oh, limo. super
1: secret. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, white. Send him in a white stretch limo. White
0: stretch limo. Uh, <laughs> TV I still yeah. remember I was driving, and the boss was in the back, way back, right. and we went to McDonald's. I ordered. <laughs> I had to pull the car up, you know, forever and then the window. How and did I you end up me. in these
1: situations? I what was, is it about you? Because I
0: was trustworthy, I guess they thought I was. You, so anyway, I drove and then trying to they told me, Oh, circle, we can't go yet. Too many media around the building. So I'm circling in Dallas traffic in a stretch limo. Trying to talk in this old cell phone <laughs> well at that time <from> state of the <laughs> art. Oh yeah. Oh okay, state of the art with it a bag. bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The transmitter filled the bag. That's where the transmitter was. I'm (laughs) sure it's like super super healthy for you. eh? Yeah. Uh, And then drove it in secretly. And uh, I forget what we did to go back or something. But anyway. Yeah. All this crazy stuff.
1: (laughs) I'm pretty sure. uh,
0: That one, I don't know.
1: Where to go from that one. Yeah. Oh, that was good. Well, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I welcome you guys to Grace Church Offstage. We're here kind of hanging out with Pastor Larry. Um, it's part two for us today. Um, if you joined us uh, last week, we had a good time talking. We we, we just kind of started to kind, kind of uh, you know hit the surface with the stories that this guy has. Uh, basically, uh, he has this, this knack or calling or ability or gift, whatever you want to call it. He finds himself in the middle of these uh, just uh, outlandish stories with... Uh, Basically, all the big names that uh, you can imagine—the uh, ones you see on TV in the ministry—all the you know the big ones—and he finds himself just kind of hidden inside these stories. And so, uh, uh, part one we talked about the city of faith and Oral Roberts, and uh, you know how he had this vision. And while uh, you know we we're not people of uh, who are perfect—we uh, all have our flaws—he had this amazing vision. He tried to to see a marriage between faith and science. And in that, this guy who kind of starts from nothing and uh, he believes he hears from God to to kind of bring the, the faith of, of Christ um, and to kind of to allow it to fill all the areas of life, uh, he starts his college uh, and he begins to hire these different people and uh, individuals and... Uh, his heart is to see the faith begin, to, again, to, uh, to fill all the different areas of the world. And honestly, Christians, especially uh, you know, the, the type of uh, charismatic evangelicals, that type of trust in God faith to, to fill it. And then he has this vision to kind of go beyond uh, this kind of university, and he has this vision to kind of pioneer a hospital and it's designed it's to even have this like, like nuclear power plant dropped in from a helicopter so that so they can do uh you know this uh advanced research anyways we, we talked about all kinds of stuff last week it's just a taste of kind of the, the stuff we're talking about and um i want to wrap up our talk with with uh, uh about the city of faith and oral roberts so the one thing i do want to talk a little bit more about with oral was that uh, you're talking to me the last time last week um about how uh, in the university, he was very intentional to hire people to teach and, uh, and to be in charge of there who did not agree with him. Maybe he has people whose, uh, their, their faith backgrounds were different than his. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
0: Oh, I'd love that. He, uh, he really had a heart to hire the best. And he really, uh, all of his professors were Christians, but they did not necessarily agree with him on everything. In fact. There were at least two or three of the theology and uh, literature professors that he hired that were uh, probably nationally known Southern Baptists professors of theology and uh, skilled in other areas. And uh, he hired them, and they became, they really laid a backbone for much of what was the. Uh, school of theology he also hired some um, highly gifted and skilled um, uh, episcopal uh,
1: episcopalian
0: uh, priests God. who are also uh, college professors and, um, and that
1: is probably the most like liberal branch of the mainland church in the states right i mean like, wouldn't you say that as far as like you mm. know their general theological uh, some standing? could be yeah, yeah.
0: But uh, these guys were great. I remember uh, I was a chaplain at that point and uh, we would take uh, some of the kids that were with me, we, we would actually go and they had an open door policy for all youth students. We would go in and go into the sanctuary and they let us have our own time of worship and communion right on their um, the sacristy, or whatever that uh, place right mm-hmm. up there where they have holy communion, but we would ju- it was just a quiet place, and of course they knew we would treat it respectfully. Uh, and I remember going to services there many times, um, so it was uh, it was amazing that these these professors he allowed them to have their own opinions. Uh, he would um, much of his training. Um, uh, he was a student. He really studied, uh, studied hard, but he really uh, uh, studied the scriptures for himself, and much of his background uh, originally came from Old Pentecost. So he did Which, not consider himself if you a theologian. Don't know,
1: right. Um, theologically, old Pentecost and charismatic circles are not known for having very deep theological training, right?. That's right. And so a faith healer hires Southern Baptist professors. And who are not exactly known for believing in the gift of healing right. especially by faith right? Mm-hmm. right and then he brings in these Episcopalians right mm-hmm. who are not exactly known for being the most spirit filled people on the planet yeah now
0: these particular guys were the ones that were there and they actually uh, one of them for sure pastored St. John's Episcopal Church right next to Old Roberts University <laughs> yeah that's very
1: interesting that's terrific
0: yeah it's still there
1: now, um, there's a famous name on campus at this time. He's working with Oral Roberts, and uh, he will end up having a, a Netflix documentary made after him because he ends up becoming uh, I'm a universalist, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was um,
0: probably. Tarleton Pearson. Yeah, Carlton, and, and if he were here right now, he would have no problem talking about this. He was probably one of the most gracious men I've ever met. Uh, I'll, I'll stand by him to this day. So he
1: was treated as like a son to Earl Roberts, right. right? He really was. He was the number two man.
0: Yeah, we also called him the eternal student. He was uh, an active student attending classes for probably, I'm guessing, right around 10 years. Yeah, uh, He was very uh, central to uh, what was going on, especially with the television program, he was with the World Action Singers at that time, which was a big deal. Uh, he also started a uh, a singing group called uh, Souls of Fire, which and was. And he had a uh, huge personality. I mean, oh my goodness, yes, he he's was. This guy fill, yeah. fill a room, right? He could, he could fill He can sing. He can dance. He can preach. He can teach. He could do it all. He and could do it all. Right? He could do comedy, but uh, what he was really good at, and still is good at, is very good at loving people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Uh, and I still remember going to see him. He pastored one of the most successful churches in Tulsa. he's still
1: pastoring over there. Um, What's that? Uh, New Dimensions? Yeah, Higher Dimensions. Higher Dimensions, Dimensions. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And so he's still over there. Now, we didn't ask about this. What is the timeline of kind of, you know, because what happens is, you know, when he begins to kind of come out, and he's very honest about uh, his, his changes, beliefs about salvation. Mm-hmm. And he believes, you know, that, uh, that everyone gets saved. And, of course, what I've learned from the back story here is that old Roberts tries his hardest to, to kind of try to protect um, Carlton, right? Because he knew that, you know, this, this, you know uh, he was a rising star. He's on TV. He's traveling the world. He's, um, he's rocking stuff with um, Billy Graham at the time. Yes, And then he knew that when this news gets out, he's going to be all over the papers and there's going to be all this pushback from everyone, right? right. And so mm-hmm. what I understand from the backstory I mean, is that he was almost closer to Oral than Oral's son.
0: Um, that would probably be true, especially in, in those years because uh, Richard in particular uh, was, was going through a number of things in his life, if I'm, if I'm, uh, if I'm correct on that. That's just me thinking through My time with uh, Carlton was before that era. Uh, The church was successful. Uh, Oral Roberts had just started up the Charismatic Bible Ministries. Oh, wow. Which was a major, major outreach uh, that actually had worldwide adherence at that point. And it was growing. They almost filled the Maybe Center every time they did something with it.
1: Which was thousands, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was massive. So when... uh, With uh, Carlton, I remember working with him. um, He's thinking about doing a book at one point, and I remember interviewing him. And he was, um, there's lots of stories about Carlton. He was the most marriageable guy in Tulsa. He had women show up at his church in a wedding dress (laughs) saying, God told me. Wow. And they'd have to lovingly and gently escort them out. He had that happen on a regular basis. He finally did marry, and I remember uh, being with him in his house with his new wife and helping them pick out, literally going shopping for furniture or something, some crazy thing like that, and they were just the most delightful people, and I think that's something that uh, played into his life. As I understand it, because I was not there, but as I understand it, uh, he began to really make relationships, build relationships in the inner city as he traveled. So he'd go in, into the Bronx and to places like that and meet the people there. Right, he yeah. started talking with with uh, Muslim uh, people. He started talking with people from uh, other religious groups and built real friendships. And as he saw the things they went through, his heart broke for them. Absolutely. And that... As he thought about that, he couldn't see them
1: going to hell.
0: Yeah. Because of the loving God he dealt with. So that's why he, I believe, yeah. in my and heart, so, that's uh, why he went that way.
1: And heart. so uh, he, he ends up sharing that he had a, uh, he, he felt like his his experience was that he had a night where he's praying and he felt like uh, he heard God speak to him. Mm-hmm. He was watching the news or something and there were people dying. Um, in Africa, I believe, and mm-hmm. he, he felt like he heard God speak to him. And, of course, this caused all sorts of things, you know, with his own family, even his own sons. Mm-hmm. Now, um, again, uh, if you don't know these names, if these names sound, you know, just kind of foreign to you, I'm telling you, um, look it up. Carlton Pearson. Uh, there, hmm. <laughs> uh, I believe that last year, um, a Netflix documentary came out that, that you know, tried to tell the whole story. Because, you know, this, this whole story is explosive. Yeah. It's crazy, right? And again, I'm telling all this because you somehow find yourself in the mix with these
0: people. Yeah, you know, your older years. sister, that was her most comfortable church. Oh. Yeah, Vanessa, she, she used to go to that church, and we allowed her to. We let her go to a different church from us. That's even the church that, that she fo- Yeah. Okay. Now, when I was joke, I remember
1: you guys always talking about that church. I didn't know that it was Carlton Pearson's yeah.
0: church. Oh,
1: my gosh. I love it. So, and at the same time, you know, I, uh, I believe that the timing is that at the same time that the City of Faith is struggling, that's um, mm-hmm. uh, the same time that uh, the Oral is having to deal with the emotional strain of losing a son mm-hmm. with Carlton Pearson, because he, he really treated this guy as a son, yes. right? I think they mm-hmm. kind of line up. I, I think that the, the timelines are pretty yeah. similar, mm-hmm. and so with Oral, he's... It's kind of a back-to-back emotional, mental, spiritual blow to him, right? Yes, yeah, it was it was serious, uh, and I
0: know he. Uh, I think he appealed to Carlton uh, as a father first, and then as a spiritual father, as a leader, and then finally said, "I just, I have no choice. I just have to break with you. I cannot go this route
1: with you, Carlton." Right, yeah. Which uh, I'm sure, sure. was just heart-wrenching.
0: heart-wrenching. Oh, well, was. It's because he he loved Carlton, but he also felt it was almost in, from his viewpoint, again, all this is my opinion. Yeah. But I think from his viewpoint, it was one of those things for tough love, hoping maybe that Carlton would, would uh, back away from universalism. Right. Um, You know, he he really understood the compassion part. Yeah. That's what uh, drove Oral Roberts to
1: work like a maniac to reach the lost. They kind of shared that that kind of, that, um, that, almost like like a tenderness that they both kind of had for people Mm -hmm. who were hurting. It's one thing that you see that was kind of passed from Oral, you know, into his spiritual son. Mm -hmm. And, and again, it almost kind of shocked Oral, the place it took him. Now, um, I do believe that um, in, in uh, the, the last days for Oral Roberts, I believe that he got to see Carlton. I believe that uh, uh, Carlton was actually, they found a way to contact him. And uh, they, they were able to have some last moments together, oh, right. which I believe were extremely healing. Uh, Rob Bell, um, I believe that he actually has a podcast with Carlton Pearson when they talk about this. Fascinating stories. Wow. Wow. All right. So, you you are a ghostwriter. I don't want to out all the people that you've actually worked for specifically, right? Because, again, that's, you know, it's not a smart thing to do. But... You've worked in so many different places and businesses and churches. I'm in ministries. I'm in publishing companies. That you have like built relationships with these people. So I, I don't want to highlight the ones that you that you actually wrote for, for the ones you didn't. So we're just going to talk about the people that that you've known, the ones you, uh, you spent time with, right? Yes. Now, how did you come into the story of Jim Baker? <laughs>
0: and Jim was one I did not know, but the man that I did know has now is now with the Lord and. Uh, he played a key role in my life as a young minister. He was this? His, his name was Buddy Harrison. He founded Harrison House Publishers, although I never at that time- Which is still around, right? Oh yeah, it's still very much a viable publisher. Harrison's a Bible pretty
1: publishing. large publisher. At one and, point, the they were world. the
0: uh, major uh, publisher in the Word of Faith world, right. and in much of the charismatic world. Um, uh, Buddy Harrison was a phenomenal man, in fact, his story uh, forever changed me. Uh, he sat down in a hotel room with me when we were traveling one time and uh, shared his personal testimony, uh, which he's made public, but uh, he was raised in a basically a, a, a hellish household, uh, and um, his father instilled in him a pretty wild uh, view of women in uh, uh, he used to take his high school son, who was pretty big as a football player, and he'd go into a bar and said, my my son will whip every last one of you with a few extra cuss words in there. <laughs> and he'd slam a $100 bill on the bar, and if Buddy could whip everybody that came to fight him in the bar, then the $100 bill would go to Buddy. And then his dad would go buy him a bunch of uh, porno magazines and stuff like that and said, here, you've done a man's job, you get a man's reward, or... Hire a prostitute I mean that was his upbringing as a kid so a wow, model parent huh? yeah you go on from there and he gets saved powerfully saved and um, begins dating um, Kenneth Hagen's daughter
1: oh, okay so we're kind of looping together these different names yes <laughs> so Kenneth Hagen is who?
0: Who is this? Kenneth Hagen is the uh the founder of Rhema Bible Training Center.
1: Which is also where?
0: In Tulsa in Oklahoma. In Tulsa. Yes. Uh <laughs> Buddy Harrison's is in Tulsa Buddy uh, anyway, he uh ends up marrying Pat, Patricia, and um In those days, the word of faith world, uh, or even the charismatic world at that point, really had a dim view of psychology. And they figured that when you got saved, uh, many people kind of just believed everything should be okay. No matter how screwed up you were in the past, bingo, bammo, you're okay now. You're fine. Your memories are healed, That you're fine. Um, But here he had this whole twisted idea of what uh, relationships are. And so, as and he has shared his testimony, but he had uh, many relationships and stuff even while he was married, and never got caught. And he founded the first mega church in Tulsa, as I understand it. Uh, at that point, it was called Faith Christian Fellowship. She had uh,
1: what was it, I mean, it's like the largest Word of Faith church. Uh, at that point, right? Oh yeah,
0: at that time, uh, the church reached, uh, as I've been told, about 5,000 people and did it in about a year or so. I mean, it's phenomenal. And it started in basement. So the faith basement. movement,
1: right, is, it's being born here. In Tulsa. Uh, in Tulsa.
0: Yeah. This was after my time at ORU. Um, so, uh, and at that point, Rhema didn't have a ministerial association and there was no church, there was no Rhema Church. Um, because Kenneth Hagan Jr. was I think, either in diapers or just out of diapers. So that was <laughs> that was early on in the 70s and so, There's no place for these students of this understanding to go. So Buddy starts a church, and so everybody from Rhema fed into it. And there's no place for them to be ordained or have leadership over their lives. So that birthed a denomination called Faith Christian Fellowship. So this church explodes to 5,000. The problem is that hidden underneath is the stuff that's never been taken care of in Buddy's soul. Right. And so, he's, so been, uh,
1: he's able to read the scriptures. He can teach. He can pray. He can even heal. He can do these oh, things. Oh, he operated
0: powerfully in supernatural gifts. Signs but his and wonders. soul is still broken. <laughs> his soul was broken. It was never dealt with. And so wow. there were all these relationships going on secretly in the church and is never caught. But the Holy Spirit, he told me that he really sensed God speaking to him saying, You must stop this. You are harming my people. I will end your life early if you don't do that. Stop. And I've so, heard that before. yeah, we well, yeah, But uh, or so, Roberts, buddy, in the same city, same city, <laughs> buddy. Uh,
1: Still live in Tulsa. God's yeah. going to warn you. You can take your life. You keep so, that buddy somebody. went
0: first to his wife <laughs> yeah. Pat and told her everything.
1: Wow. And
0: then they together went to uh, Pat Harrison's father, which was Kenneth Hagan, and submitted, told the whole story, and submitted everything and. Uh, Kenneth Hagan said, You need to resign from every position of authority you have and do it immediately. The next day, he resigned from Charismatic Bible Ministries. He resigned from Oral Roberts University Board. He resigned he was from part of the board at oh, Oral Roberts. He was in leadership all over the place. He was at, uh, in leadership in uh, Dallas at the. Uh, missionary training center down there uh, yeah uh but he i mean he resigned from the denomination cf and i in dallas I. he resigned from all these places and stepped down immediately and stayed out for over a year and um but you know that just does just uh, and it, tremendous you know, and
1: again you know if you're in the story it's important to understand You know, it's one thing to have to tell your spouse. It's something that they have to go tell their, uh, you know, um, their father. But um, in the ministry, especially in these circles, you know, there's so much pressure for a minister to be perfect, to be untarnished. And, you know, if you could just kind of imagine, you know, um, in the workplace that you're in, imagine if you went to go uh, share something that you knew could possibly keep you from that thing that you've been building up yeah. because the odds of him coming back in that denomination from that yes. type of confession are
0: pretty slim. Very hard. Now I will say that in d- discussing and trying to figure out what to do because there were not very many precedents in those days. Right. They felt at best because it would cause so much harm. Um, uh, see, the problem is that even reached the point where his best friend that helped him co-found this church Who is this? Well, I'm not going to say his name. But anyway, uh, <laughs> okay. he co-founded the church with Buddy. Uh, his last relationship was with his wife. And oh, so wow. okay. uh, yeah, they you. felt it was best just at this point so not to harm anybody, just to, to back out of everything. And nobody understood that. He did it and he obeyed. Um, but this stuff had to be dealt with and it was dealt with and Buddy I mean, never so failed again.
1: It's, it's, I mean, it's terrifying. <laughs> Yeah. I don't
0: have to do this. Well, he when he was in that hotel with me talking to me, he said, "When you and he's
1: talking to you about this." Yeah, how are you finding yourself? Okay, because at this time, you're still a pretty small fish, right? Oh, about as
0: small as you can get. Why is he talking to you? Well, I don't know. Maybe he sensed Buddy he was a, very he's on prophetic. The board he was a true. <laughs> That's
1: yeah. and I. He, he, he travels the world. He has a mega church. Right. Yeah. Why is he talking to you about this? It, well,
0: by this time he's kind of resigned from all those things and is now starting to minister some. Um, but anyway, um, I don't know. I think he just—he was just very find prophetic. Again. He probably just sensed I needed to know. But he said, "Look, when you get in an elevator, if a and you're." you're trying to minister and you're alone which he said don't travel alone if you can help it but if this happens the Billy Graham rules right? yes if a woman walks on the elevator you and you're alone step off that elevator never travel alone gotcha. have your if you have an assistant or your wife have them go in and check the TV because guaranteed you turn that TV on if you're a minister is going to come up first before anything else it's going to catch you so you be aware uh, <laughs> I mean he was very strict with all of his oh, yeah. ministers yeah. and with himself um, so those are I found out that the Lord sent me to ministries sometimes sent me to ministries in decline yeah. they're on the downward arc and I, would, I was sent there to be taught
1: hmm. but also it seems like you're there as like a healing kind of a uh, some of them you're there to help them yeah, the process them. <laughs> because okay so with oral uh, I mean also with Buddy these movements have so many great strengths in them, but the ability to be honest and to, to mentally, emotionally process mm-hmm. is very limited in these groups. It's not a primary mm-hmm. part of their ministry. So again, right? Pressure's too the high scriptures, He keep can pray, but his soul is broken. Right, and, mm-hmm. and so here you are, as they you know seemingly try to teach you things, what's really happening also is that these people are having a safe place to really have a counselor. To to you know to be honest to empty mm-hmm. their 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 the stories their pain the process with you, yeah. But uh, especially
0: later on, Buddy really probably I was mostly on the receiving end with Buddy Harrison. I hold him in high respect. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he he had to let me go. I fired uh, you. I'm... Uh, yeah, he had to let me go because he decentralized the organization at one point, and uh, uh, that was the longest I ever went without a job. I went to. Oh, six months or a year searching for a job when you had been born. Oh, I, oh okay. Uh, yeah, uh, it, was, it was a very difficult time and he didn't have to, technically, but he gave sacrifice pay and did everything he could to help us. I was able to call him, he later died of, uh, uh, of something, I don't know what he died from, but I was able to call him while he's still well and tell him to thank him for what he did. Because it actually put me on my feet spiritually as an adult. Helped me grow.
1: So Buddy Harrison, he becomes a connector between you and Earl Roberts and now Jim Baker. Yeah. (laughs) So Buddy Harrison gets you involved in the Jim Baker scandal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Buddy, because... What is the Jim Baker (laughs) scandal for someone who doesn't know? Okay. You have to
0: go back in history a little bit, but... uh, Jim and his uh, late uh, former wife, Tammy Baker, uh, had a national TV show called PTL, Praise right. the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord. It, at that point was uh, a rival to Trinity Broadcasting Network. Um, they even bought i a, um, a, um, I'm trying to think, it's an amusement park. And then they expanded that amusement park they and, bought
1: an amusement park.
0: And they built yeah, they, they thought they was <laughs> a the TV
1: evangelist, he bought a amusement park.
0: Yeah, made it kind of a Christian uh, Dolly Pardon type thing. And they he built all these hotels and then sold that's what got him in trouble with the feds, is he sold Christian roller coasters, right? That's very yeah, important. Yeah. Basically we sold them. That. Well it's a family thing. It's like Christian Disney World, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and they built all these oh, these it. housing yeah. units and condos, but they oversold them. Oh, okay. Uh, wow. And then on top of that, he was, he was living a very lavish lifestyle. And um, <laughs> yeah, this was in the wild and woolly 80s, 70s and 80s uh, of the charismatic movement. And uh, he they had an evangelist. Suits. He yeah. had another evangelist who did not like him. It's all public record now, Jimmy Swagger And uh, he was always <laughs> looking for uh, stuff to get on Jim Baker. So these guys... It was kind of a wild story. The net result is that so Jim Baker... So Jimmy's are
1: was, fighting, trying to get dirt on each other. <laughs> it sounds like politicians, really, right? Yeah,
0: really probably Jimmy Swaggart was trying to get dirt on Jimmy, Jim Baker. Jim Baker was just trying to do his thing. Um, and basically, it, again, all this is fuzzy to me because it's so long ago, but I believe he came under federal investigation because he was accused of fraud, basically overbooking these things on purpose whether or not it's Gracious. true all I know is that uh, so everything the now, crashed it's in the papers, down it's on it's, the news it's,
1: it's, you know it, it's, it, it's all yeah. falling apart There's and how blood in you the water. show up in this
0: well because of Buddy's heart Buddy was one of those guys that would take a chance. I I knew a, another minister from Louisiana that was just, he was like uh, burning the candle at both ends. He was really love God. Uh, he's still ministering today and doing fine, but he wouldn't be if it wasn't for Buddy. Basically, he reached a point where he snapped. He had an exploding church. Everything's going great, but he just disappeared one day, drove to Dallas, left Louisiana, and called me, because, I, again, I met him years ago. Yeah, you and, just be
1: the, you're just this person who randomly, when people yeah, are close, they happen to call you. it's another
0: story. I, I met him while making peace between a visiting evangelist and him. Anyway.
1: Oh, so you are... <laughs> so he calls you while you are trying to bring peace between two other feuding evangelists?
0: Uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, and we're but not even this, talking about these people. Yeah. Right? Well, that's a whole nother story. God. But Buddy had actually, when I brought up the guy's name and said, hey, he's in a hotel room I think he might want to commit suicide, but he literally gets on a plane, flies to Dallas, and is turned away. Won't even open the door in his hotel, so he flies back. I talk to the guy again, Buddy flies down to Dallas again the next week. That's his heart, at his expense. This gracious. time, my friend lets him in, Buddy talks to him ministers to him and he returns to his wife to his ministry he's reconciled so this is the heart of Buddy Harrison that's the heart and of Buddy and now he's Harrison.
1: getting you involved in the Jim Baker scandal yeah because again it's your calling to show up when everything is falling apart in the house on fire
0: now at this time the they didn't get me involved until about um, the afternoon before the news conference late afternoon and is this were, the
1: famous news conference where he's crying on TV no bawling?
0: no I, that that isn't it In fact, uh, Jim Baker isn't there. It's just the buddy's going to give an announcement as to why he's reaching out to Jim Baker. He's willing to ordain him and give him a second chance. Holy cow. (laughs) (laughs) And so the media finds out, and the blood's in the water again. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. And I don't blame the media. They've been putting up with this for a long time. And so they show up, and uh, they do a quick news conference, and that's the local media because the the big boys haven't found out yet. Well, the big boys get called by all of their affiliates in Tulsa. Yeah, that's right? how uh, it works. And what the ministry does, they gave me about two hours' notice. They gave my home phone number to NBC, ABC, CBS, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Was I bored Chicago Tribune. At this time, uh, yeah, you were in diapers. So I'm in diapers. And I'm getting phone call after phone call after <laughs> phone call. It went from like uh, uh, 6 o'clock till 11 o'clock at night, one interview after another. Your
1: life was so interesting. I felt very yeah.
0: boring right now listening yes, to you. That was what, that's how I got involved with Jim Baker. Yeah. And Never so met with him. <laughs>
1: you become the, 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 the... All these national networks are calling your house to talk to you about the Jim Baker scandal. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I really
0: it. didn't know anything, but that was my job was to try and
1: solve it as much as possible. I love it. It was out of control. Now, you you end up moving to um, Pennsylvania to work for a small startup publishing company. Mm-hmm. By, by that Business. time,
0: they were, they were doing pretty well. All right. But they were still a niche. Uh, they That's actually had a, a rich heritage. Uh, they had basically bought, I believe it was New Wine Magazine. They had a good reputation. Oh, great name. But they, they bought that. <laughs> Well, that was birthed during the time where yeah, like, charismatic movement was just going right, right. <clears throat> um, and they, by that time, they were publishing. getting some authors, some major authors, starting to show up. And the owner was a man who is uh, what what we would call very prophetic. He was a prophet. He could he could smell things. He could sense things. Uh, I'm speaking metaphorically. He could get <laughs> he he a really big nose. He and could he just loved yeah. to. He could figure out what was going to happen in the church ahead of
1: time. Right. So he had a good... In, uh, how would you say that? Um, he had like good instincts, like a business term. I'll give you right. one example that. that's a matter of
0: record. He he uh, also was a, a great one for crossing the racial divide. He was an Italian fellow. Uh, loved the Lord. Um, hot-tempered, but loved the Lord. He's an amazing guy. Uh, but he... Uh, He's the first one to find uh, a, a minister of color, and I'll name his name because uh, it's it's history. But he sought him out, and his name was pastor at that time, Pastor T.D. Jakes, and he pastored in a small church on the wrong side of the tracks. Where? In the capital city of West Virginia. And I <laughs> later I was on... Yet,
1: right? huh? He's not in Dallas yet, right? He's not in Dallas yet? Oh, I, no, no. He was, he's he not was, on TV yet.
0: No, He's not sweating yet with the towel. He was just just past the point. He was probably a few years past the point where he had to decide if he was going to pay the church's electric bill or pay his house electric bill.
1: And so you get to meet (laughs) him at this stage. Yeah. He had uh, now
0: had a, a... His church was thriving. I believe it was Huntington where he was at. But anyway... His church was thriving, but it was, you know, it was on the wrong side of the track, supposedly. But he's in West a,
1: Virginia. I mean, it's not exactly known for being a racially no progressive it, state, right? Uh, not at that time, especially. But he was
0: he was something else. He still was the T.D. Jakes. He, he still could uh, preach the wallpaper off the walls. He was a very creative. Yeah, but he's probably entity. in a small
1: building with the wallpaper <laughs> actually peeling off the walls. No. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, at some point.
1: Uh, well that's
0: it was it was uh, it was this guy in this publishing company that really went to him and said we feel like there's a book in you and and Bishop Jakes basically said yes there is I've been working on one and so they published the uh, first book by T.D. Jakes called Woman Now at Loosed
1: that was his first book I thought it was naked and... no uh, uh-uh. okay no and unashamed okay Right. Oh, so Woman, Thou Art Loose was his first book. And it's still something he still goes back to now.
0: That thing was, uh, he wrote it, I think, right off the Holy Spirit burner. He was really touching something. He was touching a wound that needed to be ministered to. <laughs> and, uh, Just what it like to child. be in the room From Well Bishop um, T.D. Jakes. Well, when, I, when we met him, I had a habit of always going, uh, I like to go through back doors. And uh, I talked to his cleaning lady on the way in, asking, hey, how do you like working with Pastor Jakes? And oh, she wow. she loved that's it. A, that's scary. And then I talked to secretaries, <laughs> and I watch how people, uh, especially potential clients or whatever, how they deal with the so-called little people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It tells
0: me a lot about their character right off the bat. And he treated them just as graciously as he treated us or anybody I saw him around. He, he's equal opportunity lover and respecter of people. I loved it. Well, I loved him I, right off the bat. I love to hear that. Yeah, because it's not genuine. common, honestly. Oh, and he is. Uh, I I found that he is passionate privately, just like he is publicly. If he's talking about the Lord, uh, at that point we're in a office. That was decorated about nineteen seventies, even though we were in the eighties. In the eighties, 80s, uh, 80s. it was like uh, silver wall paper and mirrors and stuff like that. That was, you know, it, it was dated. It, it, he was he was not on the top of the hill or anything, but that man was hearing from God, and they published that book, and it rocketed to a bestseller. And uh, uh, after that, it was maybe just a few years after that that. He really felt led to move to Dallas. Yeah, you know, and then start he just blew up. Yeah. You know, just just absolutely blew up
1: after that. Well,
0: yeah, he went from working with Destiny Image to working with uh, New York publishers, and then they limited him to one book a year. He was uh, when I when he was with Destiny and with other uh, publishers, he was putting out probably four or five books a year. Which is, wow! And then it went down to one book a year. And uh, did he change? You know, I, mean, I, I couldn't you know, tell it's, you it's because I, I, I worked with him, you know, and, and some editorial things. Uh, I don't see how much I worked with him, but um, uh, he was always the same when I was around him. I know that as much as uh, probably a few years, a few years I was around him. Always just amazing, and his wife was the same way, just straight,
1: pure. I loved wow. I loved it. I love to hear that. Yeah. Now, there is, um, while you're at this publishing company, you also meet someone named um, Miles Monroe.
0: Who's this guy? Miles, uh, I remembered him because he was at Oral Roberts University. He was a younger student when I was at Oral Roberts University. So we're both alumni of the same uh, university. And at the time he was at ORU, he was that guy from Jamaica, you know, uh, very that guy from Jamaica. Yeah, very gifted, uh, brilliant, uh, a lover of people, you know, the life of the party. He was just something else. I mean, it's hard to 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 put the man into any kind of a box. Yeah, he was amazing. But yeah, we retained a friendship, and then. Uh, yeah, I remember I had the privilege of picking him up. We had a major conference that that partic- one particular year we held in Washington D.C., and so my job was to pick uh, pick Miles Monroe up at the airport for the uh, publishing company. And I promptly got us lost, and you could tell that he knew me because he was talking to me like a friend. He said, "I can't believe you don't know your way. Or- you are lost, aren't you?" I said, "Of course I'm lost. Or are you going to ask for instructions? No way." I mean, we were having that kind of a conversation back and forth. Uh, Miles was something else. Uh, Later, I had a chance to go to Jamaica, and uh, he invited me to his house, and his wife made me my first bowl of conch stew. Ooh. Uh, And I ate it with his kids. Wow. And his family around the family table. Uh, Amazing. You just don't get to have that kind of privilege very often.
1: Well, it's a big deal because, like, uh, if I understand right, in his ministry, like, uh, he's really trying to branch out. Because in Jamaica, um, it's a big division between, say, uh, Kingston mm-hmm. and then, you know, the rest of the island. Because okay. with Jamaica, it's very poor.
0: Yeah.
1: But yet the one city <clears> of <throat> Kingston, which kind of, you know, it's, it, you know, it's the high end, you know, the bankers and the lawyers.
0: It is. And he was a bridge builder. When I was with him, he said, uh, come on, Larry, go for a ride and uh, we went in his car uh, with the windows down, and he went into the poor parts. We, we didn't do the tour of the, of the nice town. Right. And he Montego knew everybody. stuff, yeah. I mean, we went into the poor of the poor neighborhoods where nobody goes, the tourists don't go at all. And he knew they would come up and he'd stop the car and park it in the middle of the street and have conversations with people, and they knew him and they loved him. And he loved them and he treated everybody, again, he treated them the same.
1: And so, again, um, I want you to share these stories because, you know, uh, if, if you guys don't know, Miles Monroe was, he was becoming a very big name. Uh, his kind of path was, was pouring to where, he, you know, he was going to be like one of the big guys. You know, you know if you went oh, on, yeah. on TV, books, he was on his way. Yeah. I mean, of course, his life
0: was cut short, right? Right. He had one of the largest churches in Jamaica, but he also was a leader in the entire Caribbean basin. Yeah, all right. of the various nations there, and was kind of an ambassador to the
1: U.S. for the whole Caribbean region yeah. as well. I mean, he was amazing. I, I know uh, his books in TBN. Uh, he was a constant guest on TV, uh, you know, networks. And so the, the reason I love these stories that you're sharing um, about uh, Jake's and uh, Miles Monroe is, you know, it's it's not always common that these people who are these kind of famous TV evangelist ministers mm-hmm. they're not always um, sharing the qualities of Christ off the stage
0: oh no no we've, we've uh, <laughs> you've had
1: your experiences with those right oh
0: we have when when you were uh, about what age did I take you to Dallas at one point I decided to take you on one of my interview trips yes and I'm gonna really be vague here because I don't want to bring names into it but uh, it was a very famous personality that would pack stadiums. Um, and, Big uh, muscles. Yeah, and I decided that I would take you, so I bought your plane ticket and um, because, you know, I wanted to cover all your expenses, but I thought this was a chance for you to learn, and I took you with me. Oh, and, did uh, I learn? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what There were things that transpired since I'd last worked with them. I used to... This group, I did all kinds of stuff, uh, you know, comic books and all kinds of crazy stuff. It was a Christian group
1: that's known for doing feats of strength. Now, there are multiple groups out there, (laughs) so like we're not going to tell you which one it was, right? Yeah. But it was was a group of uh, strength people who was known for doing, you know, Mm -hmm. Christian-type events, right? And again, (laughs) there's multiple groups, we're not going to tell you which one it was, but it was one of them.
0: Um, and the problem is with anything whether you're a minister or a rapper or whatever you are (laughs) once you it's like
1: you're comparing a minister to a rapper is the part that I love so much it's
0: the common denominator is fame once Uh, you get famous enough that people put you on a pedestal um it can really get to your head if you don't have good people around you that keep you balanced absolutely and um it was a very heady thing to do something that is also testosterone filled it's very hard to keep your head straight it 's just really hard unless you have people around you that'll tell it to you straight and bring you down out of your cloud as people you trust you give them permission to tell you the truth right and uh, this particular group that the purpose was to write a uh, a biographical book about uh, this particular leader and uh, we didn't know until a bit later after that meeting that they were actually in decline and uh, things are really going south and I knew there was a problem when uh, I saw a big Hummer, the biggest brightest Hummer you could ever
1: think of. I still remember this experience we pulled up to the Omni in Dallas and we were in a Dodge Neon
0: yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) this tiny it was like a budget rental car. And I remember the first person pulled up in this I was like a brand new Corvette. And I remember thinking, that's a nice car. Yeah. And then of course the next one pulled up on like an old it was like a Lamborghini or something, right? And then here comes Boss Man and a monster like H one Hummer. Yeah. The hey. largest you oh, could yeah, possibly yeah. get. And you know, yeah. it's blinged out. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's in, and again, uh, in that moment, I, I remember feeling small, right? Because, you know, we're here in this neon, and we're watching these, you know, these clients pull up, and these extremely expensive cars, you know, and somehow this is all about ministry, somehow it's all about Jesus. I'm not sure where that was going to, you know, happen. It's
0: just easy to get lost after years of fame at the top. It's just so easy. Yeah. Uh, and they... Um, The type of ministry where you take a lot of people with you eats money. So you have constant pressure to keep the machine delivering. And you end up pressuring your crowds to produce. And it's it's a nasty circle if you don't watch it.
1: Now, what's interesting about this, I also remember standing in the lobby of the hotel, because I believe that that was the same week that the Columbine shooting happened. Mm-hmm. Because um, I actually remember watching it on a TV in the lobby there. And just, you know, kind of a small wow. little uh, side note to that. Um, yeah. So anyways, um, I want to open this one back up um, in part three. Because okay. what ends up happening in Dallas, honestly, as we talk about it, I feel like this might have been one of the primary life-shaping experiences of my ministry. That, yeah. that Obviously, at this time, I'm six, um, I'm a sixth grader, I think. No, yeah. fifth grader. So I'm, I'm, what, like 10 at this time and or 9? You're,
0: you're going to get me in trouble because we're going to have to tell the second half. Yes, we are. And you're going to get me in trouble. People say, I can't believe you let him do well, that. Well, uh, yeah, but anyway,
1: so there's a moment. You are
0: mature for your age.
1: I've always been, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's a moment in Dallas where it's a marriage between this experience, which you're about to give me, and then also this experience I'm having with this type of Christianity, yes. right, mm-hmm. that has lost its center. Yes, right? Very and, much so. I, and I honestly believe that like this week for me with you was formative for kind of the type of trajectory I would take with uh, Grace Church and with everything that we're doing now. So um, as we come back next week for part three, honestly, guys, what you need to know, I have a list of like famous names on this this sheet right here. And we're about halfway down the list. There's so many stories that that we haven't even had time for because again, uh, there's so many of them and I don't don't want to take all night. But uh, guys, it's been a blast. I hope hope you've enjoyed it. Next week is going to be the most important one. Uh, We're going to start by kind of telling about this moment where uh, there's some experiences, some talks, that, uh, uh, me and Pastor Larry have. And, uh, again, I I think it kind of sheds light to the direction that we're wanting to go, uh, as as Christians and, uh, as a church. So hope you had fun. I will see you, uh, next Monday for part three, uh, with Pastor Larry. Hopefully we'll be able to fit in all the other names and and stories into the next week. Hope you guys, (laughs) you guys have a great week. We'll see you next Monday.